Today I want to I speak to you on the topic of faith for miracles, or faith for the miraculous. And you know, we've come out of a season of, of Easter and all celebrating what Jesus did for our salvation, and we're stepping into the season of faith, love, and hope. And I, I really believe that, you know, we have to recognize that as Christians, we are a people of faith. You know, faith, the Bible says, uh, is the, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Now, I like to look at faith as a, as a, as, as this, like sometimes we look at faith as risk, but for me, faith isn't risk because faith is assurance of things hoped for. And for me, risk and assurance are not the same thing. So we have to be a people that are found with assurance in our heart to see faith outworked. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hope is the expectation of good. And our faith is the assurance of the good things we're hoping in our heart. And, and the reason I wanted to just bring that to you today is because, yes, there are some risky elements to stepping out in faith. Like when, you, when, when it talks about Peter stepping out of the boat, he was taking a risk by stepping out on the boat. But his faith was not in the risk. His faith was in Jesus who is the sure word of God. And we have to be a people of faith who are assured that God is who He says that He is, that He's come to accomplish what He wanted to accomplish. Even as we step into faith, love, hope seasons, you know, if you want to be able to give generously above and beyond your regular giving into this house of God, you need to be assured that God is faithful to provide for you. And there is a risk because you're going to take your hard-earned cash and sow it into something, but we have to be a people that are sure that God is our provider. Yes. I mean, he's, not a, he's not an ATM, you know that. Like, it's not like you put in your card, type in your pin, and you can take out cash. But He is, you know, you're assured that when you sow into His kingdom purposes, that you are assured He's a good God and He's faithful to steward what you've given so His kingdom can be advanced. Yes. And so in that same way, I want to just very quickly talk about faith for miracles tonight. Because I believe that the miraculous healing power of God is something that was important to the life of Jesus. So therefore, it should be important to His followers. Because if it's important to Him, it should be important to us. You know, in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 23, it says this, speaking of Jesus, it says, He went out. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel, which is the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Verse 24 says, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. The reason I wanted to read the scripture to you is for a couple of reasons. I wanted to show you that it's important to God because there's a, every time the New Testament in the gospel speaks about uh, Jesus proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, which most of us can agree it should be the assignment of every believer, Amen. is that we are called to expand God's kingdom 
But almost every single time, except for maybe one or two, when the, the Gospels talk about Jesus, our example, it's saying he went and pre- preached the gospel of the kingdom. It's almost every time immediately followed up with, and he went and healed all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. So if it's important in the life of Jesus to accompany the preaching of the gospel with the signs and wonders of him healing those who were sick and casting demons out of people, then I think it should be an important place for us to live as the church. You know, we, we, have to, we have to establish, you know, the, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to be able to stand in faith in the midst of adversity, if you want to be able to stand in faith in the midst of trials, if you want to be able to stand in the face in the midst of a storm that feels like it's never going to go away, you need to be a people that are found in the Word of God. And and tonight I want to help you see some things about Christ, the healer, because what it it, what will do if, it, if we can solidify in your heart through the Word of God that He is the healer, that He came to heal, that He always wants to heal, then your faith has something to stand on because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so if we don't have the Word as our foundation, when things get trying, when we're believing for miracles and we're not seeing them and we don't have our faith founded in the Word, then we've got no foundation to stand on. But we have to recognize and we have to conclude as believers that around the topic of healing, in fact, around the topic of anything, that the Bible has the final authority on the subject. Like that's our foundation and not our experience. And some people think that's foolish, but it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, the gospel is the power of God. And so I want to help us just see a few things tonight uh, around the, the, the concept of faith for miracles and what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. You know, we, we all have communion, right? We, we all like to take communion as Christians. We take it frequently as a church. And I would pray that you would find a place in your own home uh, to be taking communion. But the reason for communion, the scripture says, is that we would remember what Jesus did for us on the day of atonement. So he he sits down, Jesus, before he goes to the cross, and he says to his disciples, he says, this is my body, he takes the bread and says, this is my body, which was broken for you. Remember me when you eat this. He then takes the cup of wine, and he says, this was my blood that was spilt for you. Drink this and remember me. And so Jesus was giving us a picture of what he was about to do, that his body was going to be broken for us and his blood was going to be spilt for us so that we could step into this new life in Christ Jesus. So that we could step into our inheritance and everything he accomplished for us. He was saying, remember me for these two things, my body that was broken for you and my blood that was spilt for you. Now, the reason I think it's so important to believe for miracles and healing in the life of the church as his body is because he said, remember me for these things. And I want to show you why we're remembering him, not just for his blood that was spilt, but for his body that was broken. 
because he was being very purposeful because the truth is his blood was spilt for our salvation from sin. But his body was broken for the healing of our bodies. His body was broken so that ours could be restored. You know, I have this statement and I say, sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. And both were paid for by the blood of Jesus. You know, in, in the book of Matthew 8, chapter, uh, Matthew 8, verses 16, it's speaking about Jesus. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The scripture says, when evening had come, they brought to Jesus those who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the demons, and those who were sick, and he healed them. And it says this happened so that the prophecy that Isaiah prophesied many years before this would be fulfilled, that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. The scripture that he was, refer that he was referring to, the scripture that the prophecy is written down in, is in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. And I want to read it to you quickly. I want to show you something so that we can get a firm foundation, that we can have a firm confidence, not just because I said it, but because the Scripture said it, that Jesus, on the Day of Atonement, His body was broken so ours could be healed, and His blood was spilt so that we could be saved. Isaiah 53, verses 4, it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. When it speaks about the stripes, it's speaking about the wounds upon his back where he was whipped before they walked him to the cross of Calvary. And what I, what, what I want us to see here is in verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Now for us, the word griefs is not normally a word that we would suggest is sickness or disease or torment. But grief, we would sort of have a different thought around it. But I want to show you here how the word that is translated grief, griefs actually means sickness and disease. So you can just understand that as Isaiah was prophesying about the Day of Atonement, that his body was broken for us. The word born is the Hebrew word norsor, or spelled like nasa, N-A-S-A. -A. But essentially that word born really means to lift away or to carry away or to take away something. He took it, he bore it for us. And it says he borne our griefs. And the word griefs is a Hebrew word that I cannot pronounce, but I'm gonna say it like hali, but it's, it's, it's spelled H-A-L-I-Y, with a few funny Hebrew things on it, and that's sort of what it is. But this word actually means, in the Strong's Concordance, anxiety, calamity, disease, grief, sickness, sickness, disease, grief, sick, sickness. 
This is the word that makes up the, 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 the concepts that make up this word hali, which is translated in this passage, griefs. But throughout the entire Old Testament, this exact word hali is used 24 times, and 20 of them, actually it says sickness or disease. And so what I'm trying to show you is when Jesus here, when it was, sorry, when Isaiah was prophesying about the day of atonement where Jesus would give up his life for humanity, part of that was that he would bore our, he would take away our sickness and disease, that his body would be broken by his stripes, we would be healed. It's called healing in the atonement. And what's so important about this is if we recognize that Jesus, as much as he paid for our sin, paid for our healing, then it gives us a confidence to stand in his truth and believe God for the miraculous in our lives. Like, I'm thankful that we have great doctors in 2019. Who's thankful for good doctors? I'm thankful. But just because we have good doctors doesn't mean we walk away from the original healer the one who's been healing from the beginning. We have to recognize that although you might not find it important, if it's important to God and Jesus, it should be important to us. And we have to be a people that have faith for the miraculous. But I needed to show you something because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And if I can prove to you that on the Day of Atonement that Jesus not only gave His life for sin, He gave it for healing, then we have the same confidence for miracles that we do that Jesus can save us from our sin. Because the truth is sickness and sin are two fruits of the same tree. And that was the fall of man. But Jesus came to redeem all things. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, not just those who are lost. You see, that which was lost was our entire created value. Everything we lost in the fall of man, Jesus came to redeem all those things. And so we have to recognize that Jesus Christ paid his, a price on the cross for us to be able to experience miraculous healing in our bodies and in our minds. Amen. We okay? I like this topic. Because Jesus liked it. And you know, people are like Joel, you know it's not all about healing. And I say it's absolutely not. It's all about Jesus. Who was all about healing. <laughs> so number one, Jesus paid for it tonight. That gives us confidence to believe in the face of adversity. It gives us confidence to believe the second thought that, that Jesus is not the causer of sickness. He's not the keeper of sickness. He's the healer of sickness. Jesus isn't the one coming and keeping people sick. The, the truth is, and I don't have time to fully unpack it tonight, but the essential reality of this is that that the thief cometh, but to steal, kill, and destroy. So if it's death, loss, and destruction, it comes from the thief. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life there more abundantly. In fact, Jesus goes on in a passage of Scripture to talk about as he was casting demons out of people, the religious folks started saying to him, he cast out Satan by the power of Satan. Meaning, 
he's from Satan, but he's casting out Satan. And Jesus responds and says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So if Jesus is the one causing people to be sick or keeping people sick, and then he's the one healing them from the things that he caused, then he's against himself and a house divided cannot stand. But who knows that the kingdom of God will reign forever? That nothing can prevail against the kingdom of God and his church. So we have to establish based on Scripture that when, when, when it talks about Jesus went around healing, it says that He healed those who were sick and He set people free who were oppressed by the devil. So He puts oppression from Satan and sickness and disease in the same category. And if we can conclude with confidence in our heart that Satan is the one that brings sickness and disease, and then Jesus is the one who heals, and we can find ourselves in a confident place to believe God for the miraculous. And if we recognize that if He paid for it on the cross, then we have He's purchased our healing already, which means any sickness or disease that's in our lives is a work of the enemy, and we have to war against it by the power of the Spirit and in, 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 in faith. You know, we, we have to establish in our hearts that it's the will of God to heal anyone of anything whenever. Yeah. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. In fact, in, in the book of John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. So Jesus came to do the will of God in the earth. And when he went around healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil, he went around doing the will of God. And the reason, if you want to see the miraculous happen in your life, if you want to see healings happen in your family and around your world, if you want to see this, you have to establish in your heart that it's the will of God to heal anyone of anything at any time. Because if you are not convinced that it's God's will to heal somebody, or that it's God's timing to heal them, when you pray, you will not pray in faith, you will pray in doubt and uncertainty. Because if you are uncertain if it's God's will, and you begin to pray, if you're praying against God's will, that's a dangerous place to be in. Like, I don't want to pray against the will of God. And so if I've not concluded in my heart that it's His will to heal people, then when I pray, I will pray with uncertainty and with doubt and I'll be tossed to and fro. But faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So we have to be assured. I, I mean, this, this is so important because oftentimes we, we might think, God, when we don't see a breakthrough, because who knows we've prayed for people and they've not been healed. I, I, I don't know about you, but that's happened to me a lot. And you know, the truth is that happens. But we do not conclude in our heart because we prayed they weren't healed that maybe God didn't want to heal them. We don't conclude, well, maybe God wants to heal them. Honestly, one of the biggest things I hear, and I realize this can touch some buttons, but I'm going to do it anyway, is when someone on themselves especially is not healed and they've been believing for their miracle and they're still not healed, almost every time this thought process becomes their reality and they say, you know, I'm just really believing that God doesn't want me healed right now because it's not His timing. And through this thing, God's going to teach me some really incredible things. Now, it feels good. 
and it gives us moments, momentary satisfaction that God's ways are higher than our ways and we just don't understand why He's keeping us sick. But if I, as a good father with my almost two-year-old daughter, if she's jumping on a trampoline and I say, sweetie, can you please get off the trampoline? Come inside, it's dinner time. And I go inside and if she keeps jumping on the trampoline, disobeying me, and then she falls off the trampoline, and then I go out to see her and she's broken her arm. And I say, oh my gosh, sweet, I'm so sorry. But I'm not going to take you to the doctor's. Because what we're going to do is you're going to learn a great lesson out of this. You're going to learn to obey me when I speak. And your character is going to be built and you're going to become an obedient person. And I know it's funny, right, when I say it like that. But the truth is I would be arrested for neglect. And the truth is many of us, because we don't understand, because we're not seeing our breakthrough, we place this thing on God that maybe He's keeping us unwell to teach us a lesson. Now, I will clarify, God can turn all things for good. He will use things to build things in us. He will, but it doesn't mean He's keeping you sick for that reason. It means we don't understand why we're not healed yet, but we keep standing firm on the Word of God that if Jesus was here, we would see a miracle. And what that does is it gives us a confidence because if we do, if we, if we are uncertain, whether it's God's timing, when you pray, you will not pray in faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hope is the expectation of good. We have our hope in the expectation that God is a good God, that God came to destroy the works of the devil, and that Jesus is the healer, and He paid a price on the cross 2,000 years ago where His body was broken for our healing. And when we find ourselves convinced in our heart that Jesus purchased healing, then we keep on believing even when we're not seeing. In fact, I would rather hope all the way to heaven than be an hour in unbelief. Then give an hour of, you know, so often when we don't see the breakthrough and it doesn't make sense, and that happens, believe me, I've been there. But believe me, you know, preaching this message in, in other churches is quite easy. Preaching it in my own church is difficult because I see the faces of people who have, haven't had their breakthrough yet. I see the faces of people in Carindale who I know are still believing for their miraculous healing, of their children, of their family members. And I'd sometimes this thing comes at me and I'm like, man, maybe I don't want to say this today. I don't want to get their hopes up. But just because they haven't seen their breakthrough doesn't make the Word of God not true. And we have to be a people that are convinced and keep hoping, keep believing, even when it seems impossible. We need to be a people of God who have faith for the miraculous to happen in our communities so that young people can come to church and be set free from anxiety and depression. That only happens because we are a church that stand on the Word of God and we believe for miracles to happen. Come on, it's, it's important to God we know that because He sent Jesus to do His will and Jesus went around everywhere, the Bible says, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. It was important to Jesus because He did it and then He commissioned us to go and do the same thing. He said, these signs will follow them who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
People ask, Joel, why do you see miracles? And I say this, because I've removed every reason why God won't heal them. And I look for the reasons why He will. Most people, they're constantly trying to find the list of hindrances for healing. They're trying to find the list of reasons why God won't heal. And what happens is, is, is if we give ourselves a back door, when things are tough, we take it. And then we take another one. And then we take another, we find ourselves in a place where we say, yeah, we believe God can heal, we just don't believe He will heal. And we find ourselves in a place where even when we pray, we're not praying in faith, we're praying in doubt and uncertainty. We don't see everybody healed, but we believe that God can heal everybody. And I will believe to the day I die And the more I believe, the more I stand firm in the faith, the more people I see healed. If I'd stopped because of the miracles I didn't see, then I wouldn't have seen the ones that I have seen. I removed every back door because I don't want to take one to preserve my own self. There is a mystery of things we don't understand. But that mystery doesn't get to just get put in the sovereign God box. We don't get to just move the things we don't understand and put them all in God's sovereign box because then God becomes this incredibly horrible monster who is responsible for all the things that we don't understand. We serve a good God and He's faithful to His people. He's a miracle working God and we need to be a miracle working people. We need to be a people of faith that believe God in the face of impossible situations that believe God in the face of adversity, but that believe God in the face of disappointment, that say, I'm gonna stand, I mean, I'm not gonna bow to the wisdom of this world. Even if they wanna throw me in a fire, I know that my God will deliver me. And even if He doesn't, I'm still gonna stand. We keep believing, we keep standing firm on the Word of God. And when all else is done, we continue to stand because we're a people of faith and we believe in the God that saved us. And if we believe in a God that saved us from sin because of the cross of Calvary, then we need to be a people that believe in a God who healed us because of the brokenness of His body. Jesus says, remember me, take this bread. This is my body that was broken for you. Remember me, take this wine. This is my blood that was spilled for you. We need to be a people of faith for miracles in all areas of our lives. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. And then He said, this is my blood that was spilt for you. His blood was spilt for your salvation. In John 3, 16, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. Both were paid for by the blood of Jesus. We've talked about the healing from sickness, and now I very quickly want to address the saving from sin. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish but have everlasting life. But if that is true, then the opposite is also true. 
that if you do not believe in Jesus, then you will spend eternity separate from God and you will perish and spend eternity in hell. But the Scripture says that God desires that not one would perish, but that all would be saved. In fact, if we continue to read the Scripture, it goes on to say that those who don't believe are already condemned. Which says to me, God did not send Jesus to condemn people to hell, but God, because of His great love for us, sent Jesus to give people a way out. Tonight, you have an opportunity, if you don't believe in Jesus, to make a decision that will determine your eternity and your destiny. But very quickly, to believe that Jesus is real is not the answer. Because even the demons believe that He's real. But the word believe in the context of salvation means to put complete trust and reliance upon Jesus. Make Him the Lord of your life. You can come to Jesus as you are. You don't have to fix your problems. You don't have to fix your sin. You just get to come to Jesus. And when you receive Him, a supernatural transaction takes place. And He takes your heart of stone, your heart of sin, and He gives you a heart of flesh, a heart of holiness. And He now calls you His own. It's His grace that saves you. And then it's His grace that will sustain you.